Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Welcome to The Backstory. Today, I wanted to discuss a treatment that has existed for thousands of years. You know, in fact, some estimate that one in five Americans actually receives this type of therapeutic service or therapy um, every day of the year. And what we're talking about is massage therapy. And you know, massage used to be largely available just through luxury spas or upscale health clubs and things like that. But today, massage therapy can be offered in businesses, in medical offices, in clinics, in hospitals, and even airports. So if you've never tried a massage, today we're going to learn about the possible health benefits and kind of what to expect during a massage therapy session. So my guest today is a New York State licensed massage therapist. She is board certified for therapeutic massage and bodywork. And in addition, she has prenatal certification and therapy certification in medical massage. She is part of the Integrated Health and Wellbeing Center here at New York Presbyterian Well Cornell Medicine. So I'm really excited to have this talk. Please welcome Norma Dre. Welcome to the backstory, Norma. Thank you. So, you know, I'm in physiatry, physical medicine rehabilitation, and we work a lot with physical therapists and occupational therapists, recreational therapists. And lately, over the past few years, I've really partnered a lot with um, medical massage therapy to coordinate the care and help patients with back pain. So there's a lot of different options out there. Tell me a little bit about the certification process and like the credentials. What does it take to become certified in massage therapy or medical massage? The requirements to become a licensed massage therapist are you need to attend an accredited college where you acquire an occupational studies degree. Then from there, you are to sit for the New York State licensure. And if you pass that exam, then you become licensed by New York State. And also, you are part of the healthcare practitioner team. If you decide to advance your training, as I did, I went on to become board certified. So that's additional education, studying, and test taking. Does every state have their own requirements, or do you need a license in every state that you want to practice? As far as I know, every state has its own requirements. New York State here has very strict requirements. You know, massage is generally considered part of our integrative medicine program here, our integrative well-being program here. And I feel like it's increasingly being offered uh, along with standard treatments, such as therapy and medications and even injections, things that I do. Talk to us a little bit about massage. What are the different types of massage? You know, we've heard of Swedish and deep tissue and shiatsu and things like that. Tell us a little bit about the different types of massage and what makes each of them different. Massage as a whole is the manipulation of connective tissue, tendons, ligaments, and muscles for the purpose of achieving reduced pain and enhancing well-being. For example, Swedish massage therapy is the application of long gliding strokes at a slower pace to induce relaxation, reduce stress, and promote healing. This particular massage works well with oncology patients because it reduces chemo-related nausea, 
fatigue and encourages a better mood. Shiatsu is an Eastern type therapy where acupressure is applied with the fingers along the meridians, which are pathways in order to reduce muscular tension. Then you have deep tissue. Deep tissue addresses the deeper layers of the fascia by use of forms and elbows to release holding patterns which are seen in muscular contractions. Then you have prenatal massage therapy. It accommodates a mother's changes through gestation. A combination of techniques may be applied to reduce muscle cramps, depression, and stress. Yeah, I appreciate the different types of massage as you described, Swedish, shiatsu, deep tissue. But another type of massage therapy is medical massage therapy. So talk to us a little bit about what is medical massage therapy and how is that different from the techniques you already described? So medical massage therapy is focused on achieving specific results for the patient with consideration to the patient's diagnosis and health history. An appropriate assessment is taken and evaluation in order to devise a treatment plan for the patient. So you're certified in medical massage. So so talk to me about what is that uh, patient encounter like? For example, I send you someone with neck pain or back pain. What actually happens when you first visit them or they visit you and then the subsequent treatments? It would be a meet and greet. I would then ask the patient what are their concerns and expectations of the session. I would then go into a set of questions that I normally ask. Do you have ringing in the ears? Any numbness in the body? Do you have headaches? Is your pain traveling? And so on. And then I would take it from there. So would the sessions be done immediately or would you say you know what i think you're going to benefit from coming once a week for a few weeks how does that plan actually work out well it basically depends on what's happening with the person so if the patient has muscular spasms and a lot of pain in their neck and back region depending on the level of severity from my perspective then i would i would say to them you would need weekly treatments for 6 weeks or weekly treatments for 12 weeks in order for the pain eventually to be reduced and then at that time we would i would reassess One of the things that interests me certainly is the patients that I see, which is mostly upper back and neck pain. And there is some emerging evidence, you know, albeit small prospective reports that supports massage therapy and medical massage for nonspecific low back pain. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about low back pain or even neck pain or a patient story that has a good success with uh, medical massage? For a patient that is displaying wasting of the joint and cartilage, the pain is drastically reduced, but it's not eliminated. I actually had one of my patients, which I treat three for three months, say recently say to me that she was coming in for neck discomfort and not lower back pain. When you see a patient like that, and, and you know we see that all the time, a patient has back pain one day and then knee pain another day, shoulder pain another day. When a patient comes like that to you, Is the treatment focused to one area or can you address multiple different areas at the same time? Yes, definitely. And that is my goal to address 
the different referral pain patterns because you may have a pain in the back of your neck which can travel to the bottom of your feet. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. You mentioned that in your initial meet and greet, you talk about other symptoms like numbness in the feet or headaches and things like that. Are there any contraindications for medical massage therapy? And and what are some of those things? Sure. Special considerations need to be taken with the population that is taking blood thinning medication due to the bruising deep tissue massage therapy is contraindicated for that population. Also for the patients that are taking narcotics and pain relieving medication, the treatment consistently is modified because of their altered state of perception. As far as the expecting mothers, because there's an increase in blood volume, deep tissue is a contraindication for their lower legs, their, their entire legs. As well for there's a preeclampsia diagnosis, then no massage therapy at all. It's interesting regarding the use of narcotic medications, you know, because a lot of my patients who have spinal stenosis or sciatica, they end up taking some opioids or narcotics intermittently. So prior to me sending them to you for a consultation evaluation, what should I advise them on in terms of taking their pain medications? I would say to them, if they can at all not take the entire dosage, cut back on the dosage for sure, because if I notice that someone's under the influence like that, I will not treat them. So it's more a kind of cognitive issue with the opioids and not so much just perception at the skin level, or is it kind of a mixture of both? It's a mixture of both. Another thing that we see a lot, especially at our Wild Cornell Center for Comprehensive Spine Care, that relates to back pain and neck pain is stress and mental health. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've seen medical massage therapy help patients decrease anxiety or decrease stress and improve their overall mindfulness? I have seen that particularly in many of my patients thus far, and they are very expressive when it comes to telling you that they're feeling much better. From my perspective, I draw my conclusions by careful observation and listening, careful listening. Also, I observe their facial expressions, body language, their choice in words. Normally, when a patient's feeling better, everything changes for them, and and they will tell you. How do we encourage the patients to kind of take more control of their own health outside of visiting you. Certainly, I'm sure when patients come to see you during the massage and afterwards, they're feeling better, right? The endorphins are released, blood flow is going to the muscles. What are some strategies that they can do at home to continue feeling this way and not depending on medical massage therapy for an outcome? One of the things I say to patients is awareness. I mention awareness often through the treatment because they need to be aware of their breathing and their tensing of muscles. Because when you're constantly contracting your muscles, that causes pain and it exacerbates your condition. So I normally suggest to them to stay mindful of that, 
heat applications, if that works for them, would be great. Stretching, postural alignment is a big one. They need to pay attention to their posture, and I would uh, explain and demonstrate some self-care measures to them. I, f- I feel like there's a lot of overlap in what you tell your patients and what I tell my patients regarding <laughs> posture and mechanics, especially sitting at a computer. You mentioned heat and ice, and I struggle with telling patients what to do that's going to make them feel better. You know, my go-to sometimes if they have an acute muscle spasm, I say put ice, it'll, it'll break it down. And if it's feeling really tight, use heat. Do you use any of these modalities during your sessions? And what do you tell them to use afterwards? Well, depending if it's an acute injury, obviously ice would be indicated. But if it's a chronic issue, then heat. I always explain to them heat is a good application because it alleviates the stiffness and reduces the pain. I always get concerned mm. and worried that you know the patient's going to use too much ice or put on heat for too long. What are some safety recommendations on preventing you know skin injuries with these modalities? I normally tell them to apply the heat 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, and so on. Not to overdo it, obviously, because you don't want them to be injured. Right. Have you seen these new Theraguns that have come out and they're kind of direct to consumer? You know, a lot of patients are buying these guns, Theraguns online and using it for home application. What are your your thoughts on those machines? When they tell me that they buy a certain massage uh, equipment, I always tell them or they might mention, oh, my husband worked on me or uh, I say, unless he's he has a background, then uh, it's not a great idea because you might get injured. You talked about mindfulness and awareness in your patients to make the treatments last longer and get a better outcome. How do you maintain awareness and mindfulness in your own life? How do you practice that to kind of minimize stress and anxiety? That's a great question. I try to listen to my body, and I'm able to do that because of the years I've been practicing. I've been practicing for about 15 years now, and so whenever I feel a change, I immediately identify it and isolate it. I try to maintain proper posture alignment. I exercise. I try to eat well and uh, stay active activity is very important i always tell my patients a body in motion stays in motion a body in rest stays at rest it's important to keep active what other tips can you offer our patients whether it's related to medical massage therapy or any other type of therapeutic service any tips for them just to optimize their health optimize their function and minimize their pain i would say to them Try to listen to your body. This is what happens many times to people. They don't pay attention. So when something, when they feel something, they say, oh, it's okay, I'm fine. No, if you feel a pain or stiffness in the neck or lower back pain, seek attention for that because what happens is it turns into other things. It's a domino effect. So if it's left untreated, it will get worse. Well, Norma, I definitely appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with us here today on The Backstory. Uh, I think we are going to collaborate on a lot of patients going forward. There's many, many patients at our Spine Center that could certainly benefit from seeing you and seeing the other members of the Integrative Health and Wellbeing Center. So just like Norma said, a body in motion stays in motion and a body at rest stays in rest. Mobility is medicine. So thank you, Norma, for sharing your expertise on this subject matter. 
And thank you out there to the listeners for tuning into The Backstory, where medical massage therapy and massage services can certainly impact your life and create better functional outcomes. And remember, when it comes to your health, we've got your back. Thank you, Norma. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D.com.